Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. We thought the terror was behind us. We thought we had come out the other side of the buys. But alas, community, last week was terrifying. We lost some of our big names and we had some huge captaincy scares. To talk through all the important topics with me tonight, I do have Pistol Mate. How are you, champion? How did you survive last week? I was kind of pleased. Uh, what? Chizo, you were pleased? Which, <laughs> I, because usually, I should explain. What, what do they call those people that are like addicted to pain or something like that? They get pleasure from pain? No, it's not quite that type of situation. Oh it's my more, God. usually at this point of the season, I don't have any trades left. So what do you mean, I'm more like, well, <laughs> yeah, usually. <laughs> so it's more like, well, there's nothing that can be done. I'll just ride it out. And then you just don't have any stress because you're like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, but now um, I have the freedom to actually make moves. So, yeah, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with this carnage uh, for now. So you're claiming that you have trades left? I do. I do. Is this have, a verifiable I fact? I have more than I have had in maybe the last five years. Oh, this is a new development. I thought you just pretty much burnt through them all. No, I've been uh, playing my first year of cash leagues, um, not not actually trying to win the cash leagues, more going for overall and just hoping I can do okay in the cash leagues on the side. And for some reason, I just have trades now, and I'm like, well, <laughs> I may as well keep playing for overall and maybe use my trades at the end of the, the season just to sneak a couple of cash league victories. So everyone needs a, a side hustle. Your side hustle is entering as many cash leagues as you can, just trying to snipe <laughs> 50 bucks here and there. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like my chances, um, but you got to be in it to win it, Chizo. Yeah. So um, I, should, I should make finals in, <laughs> in, in, in all 17 of them. <laughs> and anything can happen. Mate, what'd you score for the round? I did score the worst out of the three of us, mm-hmm. but that was still um, a 2 3, three eight. So... A small rise to 1,200th overall, um, but heading up in the right direction. So that's all that matters. Yeah, that's good. We're all starting to kind of zone in on that top 1K, which is really good. JB's really pushing into the top, uh, almost top 100 now, I think. His thing is in the mid-200s. So he's uh, had a huge buy round um, or you know the buy period where he's just stacked on the points, so uh, he's coming home strong. Bit of a wet sale for all of us. I think I got twenty three seventy or twenty three seventy five somewhere around that mark. Um, I really thought I'd nailed the five captaincy. I had the C sitting on him pretty much the entire weekend, um, and at halftime I was I was feeling pretty happy, pistol. But uh, he's obviously slowed down as uh, Fremantle did. But in the end, I wasn't too disappointed with uh, having one of the better captaincy scores for the round. Um, the other thing that did kick off on the weekend pistol was the Doctor's Supercoach Cup, mate. That was a little bit exciting and uh, somehow all three podcasters ended up with the uh, the buy. We didn't have to qualify. That was really handy luck and, and, <laughs> and not really fixed at all. No, it was, it was great luck, but uh, I think it was a huge success. There was so many more um, lovely patrons and everyone was having a blast. We're chatting about the cup matchups. Um, there's some strong, strong rivalries uh, that have come along, you know, developed in the last week, which I am excited to see how that's going to play out. And there's some juicy, juicy matchups heading into round two as well, Chizo. Yeah, I can't wait for the Cancer Council donors to come through based on uh, some of these important matchups. Um, I feel like uh, Butler might be out with a job if he gets the w- gets the chocolates this week, Pistol. What do you reckon? <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> always, always fun playing against your Boston Supercoach in, in a knockout competition. It's oh, definitely. Could you imagine yeah, that? Though? High stakes. Just uh, hot, the, yeah, the absolute high stakes. You'd be tippy toeing around work if you win on the Monday morning, won't you? You'd be like, oh, yes, anything I can help you with. Um, that that could be a little bit interesting. Um, there were some uh, some good scores across there. Uh, Pistol Damien and Hung both got through. Uh, their qualifier into the round of 128 with only a score of 21.75. So they've they've got into a, a, a nice first round and, and getting through. Whereas Pommy, mate, put up 24.14 and still got done. <laughs> That's you would, ridiculous. You would feel a little bit hard done by, wouldn't you? 24.14 last round in the round of terror and getting beaten. I don't even know what to say, Chief. That's that's painful. <laughs> I, I really. obviously I have to input all the scores manually. There were nine games across the qualifiers that were decided by five points or less, and we had one game decided by a singular point. Like singular. It, I, I hadn't even considered the thought of like what we're going to do for a draw until mid round, where we realised how close these scores were going to be. And. If we never plan what to do with a draw, it will never happen. Just right? like my buys, they never happened. disappeared well speaking um of i guess the buy period and how people went we do have uh, monthly prize winners for our um prize league patrons uh chizo do you want to go on with a a couple of winning announcements yeah sure so uh the top scorer in the prize uh league drum roll please uh pistol was eccles uh, with Eccles. a 8,345 points uh, top scoring for the uh, month of June. Uh, Liam George, 50 shades of Robbie, coming in only five points shy at, at um, 8,340. And Tony with 8,339. So a bit of a log jam there right at the top, but uh, Eccles gets the chocolates. We should mention, though, JB Chizo mm-hmm. did score 8,398. So he outscored Eccles by over 50 points. Uh, so when week. we said that JB had a good buy period, we're kind of, we're not, we're not really emphasizing it as much as we should have because uh, uh, to be 50 points clear on the top of this uh, and uh, some of these guys are... These people are top 100. <laughs> they're top 100 and JB's just barnstorming. So uh, we've heard of the Chizo chase down. I've never heard of the JB chase down before because uh, JB's just such a humble, humble man, isn't he? Um, <laughs> and the uh, lucky draw prize for the month pistol is Jamie. Jamie Hall, Jamie the, uh, the Jamie fantastic Hall. Uh, uh, podcast writer. Uh, sorry, uh, Patreon podcast writer. Podcast writer. Yeah, the, no, no, does the, the Keeper League <laughs> write-up every week. So, um, uh, that's, and he uh, writes yeah, our podcasts. Yeah, he, he, they don't, he does the run sheet that we never have pistol so that's probably why we get off off track so much and uh, the last couple bits of housekeeping that we'll go through pistol uh there are quite a number that do need their shout out uh for signing up uh to our patreon uh this month um just get into the uh the to entry into the cup was a a sign up uh also to help support the podcast which is great to have them all on uh we have jonathan wren jordan adrian potter richard boyd dan james Steve Sanders, Christopher Watts, who is coming for Chizo this week in the uh, the Cup, so watching out, Chris. Uh, Stephen Jay, Daniel Ball, Stuart Lording, Trav Ramsdale, Bryce Williams, Ben, Anthony Biscaris, Hugh Davies, Kevin Tantruvavong, I'm going to go with uh, Pistol, uh, Liam Jihu, Meta, Mega Batamus, Jason Travbar, Lachlan Wilson, 
Chris Morris, Matt Courtney, Josh Harris, Tim Robertson, who's already giving us the hurry up on uh, Twitter Pistol. We've already been hit up. Where is the podcast? Uh, Matt Ryan, <laughs> Keith Rowe. We've got Sash, Steve, Damien Shovin, Will, and Stephen Parker. So thank you to all our new patrons. And I hope you're enjoying the experience of the cup and uh, the Slack channel there, Pistol. We love you. Okay, <laughs> d- just uh, tone down the uh, the PDA there a little bit, mate. Uh, do we have any Cancer Council donations? I, I have only just uh, thought of that. No, we do. We uh, have now raised, um, since the beginning of last year, $5,583.52, a mammoth effort. And thank you so much to everyone. Um, we have, from the end of last week, we have um, Blackie27 saying a week late, but a donate for donuts for the second buy round, so thank you, Blackie. Um, Matt Eager has donated without a description. I think he's trying to hope that we don't remember why he donated, <laughs> but I do, Chiso. Um, another one who may have uh, complained about Haightley not getting named last week and was furious until... Uh, he realised GWS had the buy, so <laughs> no chance of being named last week. Um, Roy Duboy donating for losing a bet to Captain Chizo. Yeah. So Ch- Ch- I, th- I feel like he was going to fly just... me. Get this, he was going to fly me to the Gold Coast to watch Essendon and, and the Gold Coast game in round nineteen or round ten, round twenty, whatever it was. And I was I, all I was after was a, a ten dollar donation to the Cancer Council. Look, why not both? <laughs> why not both? Awesome. <laughs> Uh, that that's great, <laughs> and that was that was a Dill Clark versus Haitley bet. I feel like are you scamming people, Chiso? No, just, every every week you're just winning bets <laughs> against everyone, and we're all just donating to the cancer Look, council. You just, you just keep winning all your bets. Yeah, it's one of those things that if you're betting for the cancer council, there's always going to be a winner. There's always going to lose, be a loser, and no matter what happens, the donation goes to the cancer council. That doesn't matter. We have another Donate for Donuts uh, to, from Chris Schumacher, a friend of mine. Donate for Donuts. He says, a little under the radar, but this player has similar fantastic fixtures to Duncan, Hawkins, Danger, Kelly, and Stewart. He plays for Geelong. Is Jack Henry an option? He's got a good run. Um, he's got a very good draw. I'm not sure if you've realized, Chizo. Jack Henry's draw is top notch. It's really and, uh, opening he's, up. He's, he's playing as a forward. <laughs> So there's goals to be had. Maybe not for him, though. <laughs> He's probably not an option. Um, but I do appreciate the mention of the run. I have not heard that about 17 times this week. <laughs> um, Mitchell Cooper donates for trading on, on a Thursday night and Nash getting dropped. And then he copped a five-point loss in the cup because of it. Oof. That's rough. Oh, no. Coops, this that, is bad. That is rough. That is rough. Um Dylan Licardo Wells, Wellsy, Captain Loophole Crips, and he copped a zero because he forgot to emergency Dylan Clark. But he still won the cup. That's so, good. I mean, it's not all lost, really. Well, he, I mean, he didn't think it was lost. He, he was putting the cue in the rack. He was ready to walk the plank on Friday night. <laughs> it's a, a long week in Supercoach. That's right. Basically. And lastly, thank you to, very much to Blake. Donate, sorry, donut in the first cup match after trading on Thursday and Nash being dropped. And then in brackets, still scraped a four-point window. Happy days. Yeah, so there's a retur- recurring theme, don't trade on Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's hard with the order of games, just a bit unlucky. But yeah. uh, the Cancer Council thanks you all for your donations and so do we. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Pistol, that pretty much wraps up all the housekeeping. Now... 
I think you said it best at the start of the podcast. We're not going to go through round by round so much uh, towards the back end of the year because people don't want to hear about all the performing players that aren't in their side right now. I thought we were just more cover the important topics that are going to be um, sitting in the forefront of our mind coming into this week. And there's a lot of things to talk about, mate. You happy with that? I'm pumped. I'm very excited. I've been practicing my uh, speech for this the entire day. Okay, mate. I've got high expectations of you now. We'll start with Caleb Daniel. The, the little man with the helmet is out for a reported three to four weeks with a hamstring injury. Uh, it was reported after the game he had some hamstring tightness, but that tightness has suddenly uh, converted into a full-blown tear. What are your thoughts on what we should be doing with Caleb Daniel? Because that's now, you know, considering it's basically a month out at this point of the season, uh, what are your thoughts on what we should be doing with little Caleb? Firstly, if you're playing for league and you've got your league, you know, you're in the top four and you have no chance of falling out, you can probably just hold him. You don't have to stress. But when you're playing for overall, three to four weeks is enough when there's not that long left of the season that you need to get rid of him. And there's... I'm going to make an assumption that everyone has gone. Um, if you don't have gone, well, I feel like you're pretty lucky right at this point in time. We don't know if he's out or not, but there's obviously that shred of doubt that he might be out. So I'm going to go with he might be out this week. And the problem, I'm, I'm leaning more into gone than, than Daniel for this question, Chizo, just because there's so much uncertainty about gone. And not just that, but even if he is named, if he's a late out, because they play on the Sunday most players are already locked out, so you're stuck. So you've got to always have one eye on what if Gorn is out with all of these trades for this round. So with that being said, Chizo, the most logical option would be to just think of two things. One, how many trades you have left. And two, do you currently have forward cover? Because a lot of people have Robbie Young and Gardner, and that means that if Gorn is out, Sorry, I should also add, do you have a DPP, a Bynes, for example, as your third ruck? Because if you have a Bynes and Caleb Daniel is out, just trading Caleb Daniel to Scott Lysett, which means that if Gorn is out, obviously you can do that little switcheroo and put put Lysett into your uh, into your um, forward line, sorry, into your um, ruck line, and then... If you have cover you, in your forward line, you'll be able to sub them on into your forward line, or you could get uh, a rookie like Chol, who's been scoring really well, um, to come off your bench in your forward line, something like that. But that only works if you have a very specific set of circumstances, right, Chiso? Are you following? Is yeah, this uh, I, making any sense? A very specific set of skills uh, is what you're <laughs> trying to say. I think the uh, the important thing to kind of back this up, because we've got a lot of people that are saying... Um, you can't trade Daniel, you can't trade Gorn uh, for various reasons. I guess it's just a summary of what points you can be afforded by each player. Let's take, for example, let's say Gorn is out this week, Pistol, because uh, if he's if he's if he plays this week, um, then we don't have to uh, worry about trading. But let's say he's out for this week, and let's say for the remaining seven games of the year that he would play, he scores his average of 125. So that's a possible um, 875 points that you can score in those rounds by using Gorn. Quick so maths. That, quick maths. So that means if you were to trade him to another player this week, to accumulate that score plus one point, 
you'll find that the average that that player needs to have is 109.5. And there's currently only three, four other ruckmen that are averaging that um, right now. You've obviously got Brody Grundy, which would be the obvious choice because I do know there's some people out there without him. He's only in 55.7% of teams. You've got, um, just talking in a five-round average here, Pistol, uh, recent form, Scott Lysett going at 125.4, Todd Goldstein 111 flat, and Riley O'Brien 109.6. If they were to do that for the remainder of the year, they would be technically outscoring Max Gorner would make the trade viable, correct? Correct. So your proposition would be um, to pick up a Scott Lysett. I'm assuming you mixed the Caleb Daniel and Gorn answer together because you're kind of saying that if you do have forward cover, you can use that DPP to cover Gorn if he's out or if Gorn keeps his position, you can bring Scotty Lysett onto the field. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Oh, so you can bring Scotty Lysett to cover Daniel. Yes, to cover Daniel. It's more that if you already have to trade Daniel anyway, then we could, you know, kill two birds with one stone instead of having to use, well, definitely having to use two trades, um, you would only need to use one. Because for my for my example, I've got Begley on the bench. Some people have Parker, some people have Setterfield, and they can cover Daniel, but then they can't cover Gorn if Gorn's laid out. So that would be where that Lyset um, cover comes from. Yeah, that's right. So if Gorn plays, Lyset plays in the forward line. If Gorn is out, Lyset will swing forward and you bring someone like a Setterfield onto the field. That's that that's kind of thingy. If we extend that mathematical talk that we're talking about Max Gorn to Caleb Daniel, for example. Caleb Daniel is a really easy trade-out for the length of time. Let's say he's out for four weeks. At his current average, he would only score 400 points in the rounds he would be back for. And so for that reason, you only need someone averaging 50 over the next two months to the end of the year to accumulate the same amount of points as what Caleb Daniel has done. And so it makes a whole lot of sense that if you have a trade uh, left, because at the end of finishing your team, you should have, you know, three, four, five, six trades left over, ideally, for these specific reasons. This is one of those reasons you just, you don't think about it. You use that safety trade that you already had banked up. You trade Caleb Daniel to someone, end of story. It's really simple. Yep, don't don't cop four donuts for Caleb Daniel. That's, yeah, or, definitely not advocating that. But Chizo, just one, one little note for your uh, Max Gorn um, equation mm-hmm. making a trade to just gain one point back is probably still not worthwhile because a trade is going to be worth more than one point that's right but you you kind of need to draw the line on how many points do you think is worth a trade and if you think it's a hundred points well then you you got to kind of redo your equation and see if there's a ruckman worthwhile and there, there might not be which then leads me to a different option and that would be some of the rookie Ruckman that might be available, such as Zach Clark. Um, if you have, let's say, a Burgess in your forward line and you have Bynes in your, as your Ruck 3, you might just want to do a, a Burgess straight to a Zach Clark and then you can bench Gorn for the week and just play Zach Clark in your, your Ruck as your R2 for the next six weeks um, while Bell Chambers is out instead. And that might be um, 
a perfectly fine replacement and you might make a tiny bit of money. Maybe you have um, Matt Parker, Setherfield or, or Begley and you can make, you know, 70, 80K on that trade as well. So there's a little bit of um, bonus there as well, Chizo. Yeah, and the thing that I, I do like about that as well um, is it allows you to bring you know, maybe a 70 or 80 points on field, which is not going to cover Max Gorn's absence. But it also allows you to finish their t- your team. Because of our cash generation struggles this year, we haven't come out the other end of the buys fully upgraded as we would have expected. Um, and so there's people with an M8 missing, uh, maybe uh, a forward or a defender missing as well. And it is technically a bit of a sideways, um, but you know that the job security is going to be pretty good with Zach Clark, um, as he's pretty much the only ruckman that Essendon has left. There are, you know, circling things that, that people are saying. You know, we could play um, Hooker more in the ruck, or we could bring Hartley in the ruck because Hartley's been playing ruck in um, the VFL a little bit. But in the AFL setting, Hartley's just not going to be. He's not going to cut the mustard whatsoever. Um, and so it would make sense that Essendon really pushing towards a finals berth needs to put their best foot forward and they need to play Zach Clark. This is why we recruited him. Um, and for that exact reason, he's going to be getting game time. Um, I'm just going to see yeah. how, uh, how he went on the weekend, Pistol, so that we're not blowing smoke. Um, no, that's fine. You could While you look that up, Chizo, I'm going to um, just quickly say that if you are one of those people that are struggling uh, to finish your team with a lack of cash generation, I do see a lot of teams that have a lot of trades left and no money. And I'm like, well, I'm not sure how they're going to finish their team even though they do have a lot of trades. But this is one of those opportunities where if you haven't finished your forward line yet, let's say you still have one more upgrade to make, you could easily just do trade out Gorn straight off the bat if he's out this week for a Scott Lysett who's got a negative break even. And then when Gorn is ready then you just uh, swing Lysette to finish off your forward line and get Gorn when he drops, you know, that 70k in price that he's going to drop, um, you know, a fortnight after he returns. There's just uh, a lot of money to be made um, by just a couple of, uh, I guess, burning trades um, if you have the trades available to do this. So this is a very team-dependent mm. um, situation, Chizo. Everyone has got different goals. If you're in the top 100, you might want to bank on the fact Gorn can't run for the next eight weeks and it might reoccur, it might hurt, you might not be able to average 125. You might want to look at trading to a Goldstein who's only had two sub-90 scores and you know has, I guess, the highest potential um, based on past history for the rest of the year. Or even a Riley O'Brien who's gone extremely well in the last two matches. Um, there's, there's plenty of ways to play this and we can't guarantee you which one is going to be the best option for your specific teams yeah. I, I think that the the obvious choice out of all this like it, this is your ideal situation pistol i've just thought of it um is if you were able to go caleb daniel to a scott lyset and you had that dpp being out of bench gorn and bring lyset on and have that forward cover with like a a set of field for a week so that when Gorn comes back in a week's week's time, you're able to just swing the lie set into that spot where Caleb Daniel was, and you're you, you're back to you know you haven't lost or gained a whole lot, but you've covered that um, that that week yep. without having to remove Gorn because when he's going, like his previous month before this injury was incredible. It's something that he's he's done in his All Australian year 
last year. Like, it was incredible. Uh, just talking about Zach Clark before we get a little bit so, uh, too sidetracked. 14 disposals, 4 tackles, and 33 hitouts last week in the VFL against Werribee. Um, I don't think there's any question about the fact that he's going to get the next month, month and a half um, playing. So if you're someone in that situation that you have to move Max Gorn, otherwise you're going to get a donut, there's worse things that you can do. And it also allows you to continue upgrading your side or at least redistributing that cash because Max Gorn is 689k and chances are you're going to be upgrading someone in your forward line who's considerably less than that so being able to redistribute the funds is not going to be the worst thing in the world so um, I think we can be pretty confident in that it's going to be a fairly safe option as well. I think I like the Zach Clark idea because of the order of fixtures for this weekend it's very very frustrating that if Gorn is named the worst case scenario is he's a late out because that means Bynes will have locked out, Lysett will have locked out, Zach Clark would have already played, and then you're just standing there looking at the zero and you either have to take it or you're going to have to trade him to someone who plays after, such as Todd Goldstein, and you're stuck. So people that do have the option of getting Zach Clark in as your R3, um, that might be the go-to move um, if Gorn is named because that means that no matter what, you can still put your emergency on Zach Clark. And if Gorn is laid out, well, it doesn't matter because you have cover. But obviously, if Gorn is just officially ruled out, then I think that Scott Lysett swing um, is the ideal move. And it's funny because the Scott Lysett swing works if you have binds at R3, but if you don't have binds at R3, you might want to try and get Zach Clark to R3 instead. And yeah, there's... um, it's just a lot up in the air based on who is, is going to be named and who isn't. And Cheezer, was there an argument then because of Gorn's possibility of missing a match, is there an argument just to not get Scott Lysett for Caleb Daniel and instead look at someone like Rowan Marshall or Jack Zebel? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the way that they're scoring, definitely. Um, I mean, especially if you don't have that DPP, that's going to be um, a, an option that you should be looking for. Um, but I think I would prioritise Lysette in this instance just because of the exceptional form that he has been in, in and that flexibility that gains you. I mean, let's say, for example, Gorn's out this week. Um, you could even go Gorn straight to Lysette and open up that DPP uh, in the future uh, if... Um, it becomes necessary to put Lysette in the forward line. It just gives you that added bit of flexibility, even though the, the likelihood of you using it isn't incredibly high and would probably end up causing another trade. Um, I think there's a lot more benefit to that than just jumping on the next like-priced forward, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, if, if you're going to burn two trades rather than one where you could get Lysette, if, you, if, you have, if you're willing to burn two and you're like, okay, I'm getting Zach Clark at R3, that's done, that's full, my, fully focused and I don't have to worry about cover for the rest of the next six weeks, then I might not go Lysette in my forward line um, because I have Zach Clark as R3, so I'm not worried about that. If that was your case, uh, I think I'd probably look at Rowan Marshall just because of the form he's currently in which is ridiculous I know Lysett is as well I know he had one really good game and then I think the wet weather may have helps but if you look at Rowan Marshall's run he's got Goldstein this week and then he plays Geelong who give up 
ruck scores. You've got Tim English against Bulldogs. And you've got Melbourne. Who knows what's going to happen with Gorn there. Um, and they have Adelaide, Fremantle, Carlton, and Sydney um, to finish the year. So not, not the strongest opponents for Royal Marshall. And we, we already know that he's in ridiculously good form with a, a five-round average of over 120. So um, him and Lysa are the same price as well. So very, very difficult to split them, Cheezer. The The thing that put us off Marshall the entire year was... Firstly, his age. He hasn't been having a considerable run at it. But the fact that he was drafted as one of the best key forwards in his year, his intake. And so we always kind of had this inkling that Marshall was a stopgap. He was just someone that was filling in until one of their genuine rucks was ready to take that hold. It's only now that we realise that he has developed into this um, multi-pronged player that is dangerous in the ruck and with his contested ball. But when they send him forward, he's genuinely a threat aerially and front of goals because he's naturally a forward. There's not many Grundies and Gorns and these big ruckmen in the game that you can say are genuinely forwards. Like Gorn 15 metres out directly in front is not a genuine forward. You know what I mean? So the fact that he has so many more strings to his bow as well means that the likelihood um, of him going missing in games is further reduced compared to other Ruckman that only have their one way of generating points, which is genuinely hit-outs. You know, all that makes sense, and I definitely want to throw you under the bus and saying, say, stop saying we didn't think he was a good option. It's like my one good call of the season that I really liked Royal Marshall and you two, you and JP did not. Do not lump me in with you guys. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally appreciate that. I mean, it was you in the first instance that said that he was going to tire like Nankervis and he was a direct <laughs> comparison. <laughs> he was direct, directly comparable to Nankervis. I, I very, no, very correctly JP. remember you saying that. I'm sure I could oh, splice gosh. together some audio to make it sound like you said that. <laughs> um, but oh, yeah, I totally dear. agree. I think that's the that kind of covers all the possible areas that you can go to. Um, I think this is one of those scenarios where we're going to find um, the functionality of our side in terms of DPP um, is going to be really helpful. I've managed to be able to make, um, to keep Darcy Moore in my team and that DPP is going to be super, uh, super helpful because um, I'll be able to move him to uh, say an, an F five for where I've got Caleb Daniel right now um, and be able to use that to you know up, pick up a, a, a Hearn or a, a Whitfield or someone as they come down in price. I'll be able to use that uh, that DPP that I've got with Hand Gardner that I can switch around. Um, but uh, you highlighted it perfectly. There's a lot of coaches with Gardner and Young in their forward line and with Caleb Daniel out, we need to get a little bit creative in what we can do. Um, and so rather than sidewaysing Caleb, I might be able to pick up a, a Whitfield or a Hearn that is going to be that 110 average for the remainder of the year as well. So there's definitely multiple options and multiple avenues to solve this problem. I hope that we've done our best in highlighting the ways that we see that you can move forward through this pistol. And I'm pretty happy with it with how we've covered things. Okay, well, I'm going to throw another question at you that you definitely are not expecting. Sure. Doesn't sound like you whatsoever. Do you think... <laughs> now... I personally absolutely love the ruck forward DPP, mm-hmm. um, just in general, not any particular players. I just I, I love that DPP. Do you think that 
I know that there's very specific thresholds that players need to play, um, you know, certain... They have to spend certain time on the ground. Do you reckon that they should uh, change front it? front or the ball. Well, yeah. My question is, I know Make that there's very accessible. specific thresholds. Do you think there should be more ruck forwards? Maybe somehow manually manipulate it so that there's just a lot more options available in that ruck forward uh, DPP. I'm talking 10 players instead of... I mean, 10 relevant players rather than four relevant players. Like, if the Rowan Marshalls, um, if he had got it, for example, this year, if uh, Chol um, had had it as well, you know, that may have made life a little bit easy. Just just because I think it'd be more fun. Um, is, does that resonate with you? It does. I like um, when a game progresses. I like when the people running the game listen to the community the passionate people that play it and say this is our feedback and what we can make better i think what we've seen with supercoach for a few years is that it's a little bit stagnant not much has changed in in a while and i understand that the reason they have the threshold at 35 percent for any particular dpp it's so that you can't have a tpp you can't have a defender mid and forward eligible player in terms of ruckman i think if you satisfy a criteria that says you need to spend x amount of time as a dedicated ruckman then a separate set of criteria say well if you spend 20 percent of your time forward you can then have dpp i think the the that using that same 35 percent threshold to give ruck DPP is something that we could look at changing um, because it is a position on the ground where there's usually only one that, you know, a lot of teams have got just one person that's dedicated as a ruck and maybe a chop out for one or two center bounces. And so it would make sense to have slightly different rules based on the fact that they're a significantly different player type. And so I wouldn't be advocating, um, a defender getting forward eligibility because they spent 10 minutes in one game in round 14. But it would make sense to give increased flexibility and make the game more fun and give us more options, you know what I mean? Like more options is is not always a good thing, but giving us some option other than just one dude with DPP is going to be better in the long run for everyone because then we won't all end up with cookie cutter teams because we can actually utilize our DPP more readily because you know the reason everyone jumped on Ryde Gardner was mainly because he had his DPP and secondly because he was playing that DPP was like so in the forefront of people's minds um, because we just didn't have anyone else that has this flexibility that other people have so um, I think that highlights that if we had more ruckmen that um, you know maybe we drop if they satisfy a ruck percentage then they get a second criteria that they can fulfill that if they spend this much time forward they can be a forward or maybe if there's a defense a, a ruckman that sits in the back line for you know 30 percent of the team or i don't know it, it opens a lot of avenues and i'm i'd be excited to see what changes we get in future years so maybe rather than changing more about individual players and their dpps maybe it's more about the structure of the slots that we have on our field. So, you know, we've got six defenders, six forwards, eight midfielders, and two starting rucks. Obviously, in the AFL, it's rarer to have two starting rucks, um, especially ones like uh, Gorn and Grundy. I'd love to see them running around for the pies. But um, 
obviously it's going to be a little unrealistic, but maybe we get forced into picking two DPPs in the forward line, as in like maybe one has to be a ruck forward, one has to be a forward midfielder, and you know there has to be rookies. Or maybe it's not forced. Maybe maybe there's just an interchange. I know we've got a bench, but maybe there's an interchange. It's just two or three or whatever, four extra slots. Maybe there's reduced numbers across the other lines, and you can put any players you want there. I know people say, "Oh well, you'll pick the midfielders," but with the way the scoring systems change, like a lot of the defenders have suddenly, you know, gone a hundred plus. A lot of these forwards. I'm looking at these five round averages of these forwards, we've got Dunkley 126, Lysa 125, Dangerfield 123, Marshall 123, Walters 115, and Boak 112, Tim Kelly 112. I'd pick a lot of these players over midfielders right now, especially at these cheaper forward line prices. If there was some sort of interchange where I could just pick any position and put them on it instead, um, I'd be looking at, you know, a Rowan Marshall, I'd be looking at a Lysa just, you know, as a, a regular slot in the field so maybe they can change something like that up in the the future cheeser just so we get a couple more interesting and, and fun picks uh, in our sides yeah and obviously there's always going to be classicalists I don't, i'm not sure what the word is um purists purists that like the way the game has always been but it, the game has always progressed we never didn't always have 30 trades from um, from memory, maybe we did. I can't remember. You're I'm, 24. I, I'm, I'm too old. When we now. started. Um, 24. Yeah, well, that's, that's right. That's the number. And, and so, I think if there's areas to make improvements in the game and keep everyone happy and keep enticing and bringing more people wanting to play, because after a while, doing the same thing every year gets a little bit stale. But um, I, that's a really, really good question that um, obviously didn't give me any, any warning whatsoever. So I hope <laughs> I hope my answer was a uh, at least insightful at all. But um, uh, e- even the idea of maybe having you know that one ruck like most teams have, um, and being able to pick you know maybe maybe there's more sections. Maybe you can pick wingers. Maybe you can pick. Um, you have to pick like a dedicated lockdown defender or so. I don't know. There's there, there's so many options that you could take into, and um, daydreaming about it would take us hours. <laughs> it would. So um, I was going to touch on Dangerfield. What do you do? if he's out for a week, but I feel like it's kind of covered by the whole Daniel and we'll play it by ear on the Thursday podcast. If Dangerfield's out, we'll definitely discuss that. But I think at this point he's said that he's fine and they can try stop him play. Um, he's said he's going to play, so I'll, we'll just take him as what when someone ever lied to us before, Cheezer. Yeah, I know. And if Danger's not playing up his injury, then he's clearly not injured because usually, usually <laughs> he's got to be only at least 50%. Uh, right for the weekend before you you see him bring the crutches out, isn't that right? Like he he never plays anything up, uh, never. <laughs> so uh, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's just battling a little bit sore. It's what what we've seen the majority of the year with Danger. I don't think he's had uh, an extended run. Maybe a, a a month just recently where he seemed to be free of all knocks and niggles. Um, and I just see that last week as just being another one of those instances where. He's just getting knocked around a little bit. Maybe he didn't sleep a whole a whole lot with the uh, the new bub in the household um, pistol, and he just wasn't on on his game. So uh, I'm not overly concerned in that respect. I think he will play, um, but if he misses a week, he's certainly less important to fix than what Caleb Daniel would be. He he's clearly um, the one that that needs to be straightened up. I'll give you a question without dosing. If you've got oh, no. no cover. For Gorn, and you've also got Dangerfield out. Uh, which one of those two do you prioritise to try and cover? 
let's say you've got Robbie Young and Gardner, and then <laughs> you've got Jordan Sweet in your ruck line. You've got no cover. What you're going to get double donor, and you have to fix one of them. What at least one? Which one do you prioritize? I probably get in Chol as a rookie to cover Dangerfield. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, this is tough, Cheezer. Mm. Um, That's the point. I, I don't, I don't really like the fact that Gorn hurt his ankle as a ruckman. Obviously, there's a bigger body, bigger frame. There's going to be more pressure on his ankle. If I had to choose his injury and Dangerfield's injury and s- pretend I knew which one was more severe, um, like I'm a real doctor rather than just a, a super coach doctor, Cheezer. Wait, you're not a real doctor. Um, I would think that <laughs> Gorn's is uh, probably more significant and has a higher chance of impacting his future scores. So probably would then get rid of Gorn in that case. But that's a, that's a tough hypothetical. Yeah, I wouldn't like to get rid of either of them. The benefit with Gorn's injury, um, I don't know if you remember the 2017 grand final when Buddy... The 2016 grand final, uh, Buddy Franklin landed on a defender's ankle and rolled his ankle with a flat foot. Um and he had to get jabbed up and, and to get him through the, through the game. And you could see that he's hobbled against the dogs. The difference with um, same kind of action, same kind of jumping, um, knocked a little bit on his landing. Gorn's foot was basically in complete plantar flexion, which means his toes were pointing down towards the ground. So rather than getting um, twisting uh, that foot and hurting the, sesam- uh, the syndesmosis ligament, um, at the front of the the ankle joint, um, you t- you get more of that pressure going on the outside of the foot towards your fifth metatarsal. Uh, this is all medical. Yeah, jargon. I've got no idea what you're talking uh, about. <laughs> essentially, what that means is you tend to escape from those a little bit better than what you do is when you invert your foot with a flat foot. And so, the likelihood that Gorn plays this week is actually improved because of the mechanism of injury. So the fact that he is a big guy, he's carrying more weight around, he's going to be doing a lot of more running and jumping, is obviously going to affect him negatively. But the mechanism of injury isn't actually terrible. And that's why you saw him 20 minutes later. They would have taken him out the back, taken the strapping off underneath, had a look at it. It's all pretty much structurally sound, taped it back up, probably given him a jab, and he was ready to go again. Now, the days after the game, he's going to be severely swollen they're going to be waking him up in the middle of the night to do the um the icing and and whatnot but the chances of him playing this week are are pretty good and the fact that if he just misses this week or is it laid out it'd be pretty unlikely if he misses the week after so I, i think signs are looking good for gorn but i just want to stress that nothing annoys me more pistol than people claiming to have information that doesn't exist like say seeing a guy that's just rolled his ankle walking into a place to get scans with crutches like he's got a dedicated medical team are they just going to make him hobble in there on his own two feet or are they going to give him some crutches to help the bloke out Shizo, are you saying after we spent like 20 minutes discussing what to do with gone when he's out this week and now you've just so this whole thing about how he's going to be fine. <laughs> no, he's not, he's not going to be fine. If he plays this week, there is no way he scores his season average. But what I'm saying is there's a 50-50 chance he actually comes up this week. And for um, his, his was actually an injury in comparison to what Danger is just playing sore. 
So if Dangerous has a week off, it's more of a luxury, whereas Max Gorn actually has something specifically injured that is preventing him from playing. You know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's the difference. Yep, yep, yep. But in terms of um, the injury mechanism, worse things could have happened. Gotcha. Let's talk about Bubble Boys. Sure. Let's get to it. <laughs> let's let's just jump straight into that. I'm sure. Are there any? Want it. There there are some. Um, you sure we we we, we shouldn't talk about Bubble Boy? I don't. I didn't know it was plural. Yeah, it's kind of feels a little bit like that. <laughs> um, obviously, we've mentioned Chol a few times. He is 102k Richmond forward. He scored 113 on the weekend and looked phenomenal. Chiso, did you manage to see him at all? He's a big boy, isn't he? He he reminds me a lot of sort of like a young Nick Nat in his athleticism and his attack around the contest. So um, getting him into the game uh, against the Saints was was really, really good. Um, the fact of the matter is I think you're going to bring it up. We're not sure whether that's going to continue going on, whether he's going to uh, be able to continue that role going forward. He's got Gold Coast this week, so it happens to be an extremely good matchup for him. Well, not not well. for a ruckman, though, is it? Well, he's coming up against he, Jared Witts, which is like the third leading hitout winner of the the season. But I mean, he'll be playing forward a lot, so we'll see. Like, I imagine he'll be on Lukosius, who played fullback last week um, and, and scored really, really well. Maybe job. they should have left him there. Yeah, he he did really well. Uh, no wonder. Burgess got dropped, actually. there's uh, That was the answer. Lukosius played extremely well down back, looked much, much, much more comfortable. Um, and I think that that might be a, a key matchup um, for Richmond this week. But anyway, Chizo, he's 102K. He's going to make a lot of money. He has good scoring potential. Um, I can't see why, if you're struggling for cash, if you've got trades, I can't see any reason not to get him. Um, I think there's every chance that he can still hold his spot, just as Bolter held his spot um, when they had, you know, Nank and Jack Rewalt running around fit. Um, they still played Bolter, so I think Soldo is dropped uh, before before Chol as well, so um, you think that he's a solid option. There's also Peter Laddams on the bubble. Um, scored 79 this week in the wet, but Chizo, Westhoff had three goals and 37 touches in the sample. Um, Rockliffe had 57 touches, so Rockliffe's coming in. And I assume Westhoff is going to come in probably to replace Laddams as well. So uh, I imagine that will be more as a forward target. Maybe Dixon gets a bit more chop-out ruck time uh, to help out Scotty Lysett. Um, I don't think Ryder will come back in, but again, that's just a guess. It would seem... Incredibly tall if they happen to bring back both Westhoff and Ryder to go along with Charlie Dixon um, and Rosie up forward. Um, so I would not be relying on Laddams as our you know other bubble boy. There's a couple more expensive players like Corey Ellis is 233k and um, don't believe any of them to be worth it. But on the, the cheaper side, players that aren't quite bubble boys that have played one game that you might consider... Oliver Hanrahan from Hawthorne uh, scored 44 points and looked really solid in that first quarter and then kind of just disappeared out for the rest of the game. Um, he couldn't quite get his footing. Um, he, he might still play, but I'm not quite sure on his job security just yet, so uh, we might that might have to be a wait and see for next week. Um, a bubble boy, Jared Cameron, just the 26 points. 
I'm not sure he's going to hold his spot, Chizo. In a perfect world, he would have been a decent like M11, and then you could have used him to cover Dangerfield or any one of your DPP mids, um, mid forwards, I should say. But I don't think he's going to last very long, so I'll probably be passing on Jared Cameron, uh, Chizo. And then the two first game forwards, Kyron Hayden, mid forward, 102k, 31 points, and seemingly, I think he did his Achilles in his first game, Chizo. So that was. That looks awful, um, so I wouldn't be getting him because I don't think he's going to play for the rest of the season. And uh, Ben Davis, uh, forward for Adelaide, 123k rookie, just the 22 points, Chizo. I'm not sure he's going to have a long-term shot in, in that Adelaide side. Um, any thoughts about those players, Chizo? Yeah, I think Charles the standout, isn't he? Um, particularly his price point um, and the fact that a lot of our issues this week are going to be in the forward line, so... Uh, if you're in an absolute pinch, um, his, I mean, how many times have we said that we don't know if the Richmond rookies are going to have job security and suddenly they play for 14 weeks straight, averaging 90? Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm uh, not going to uh, uh, say that he's going to be a bad option. Um, but in terms of the rest of them, there's not really anything that we can depend on. I think Peter Adams is one that we've seen mentioned um, on Twitter a, a little bit as a um, a stopgap, but it's just not going to be worth it bringing in someone like him for a one-weeker with Gorn or someone uh, something like that because Adams probably isn't going to play this week. And it's just, yep. as you say, they sent those guys back to the Sandful as punishment for not performing at the, what, Ken Hinckley would like. Now that they've put in performances like that, there is no reason for them not to come back in. So he's clearly going to be replaced um, and I wouldn't be looking too far ahead. Uh, one player that I have just realised we haven't mentioned Pistol is Nick Nat. Uh, he returned on the weekend for a score of 99. Always been a huge points per minutes player but only played the 76, points on, uh, 76 minutes on field uh, last week it could also potentially be a viable option uh, considering they have a finals run of Carlton, Adelaide, Richmond and Hawthorne, uh, none of which have really significant uh, rucks at this point in time, even if Riley O'Brien is going well super coach wise Yeah, it's a bit tricky because, as you said, Nick Nath, his points per minute is great, but I imagine they're going to ease him back from that ACL. What's the point in, in rushing him? Even worse, I think, is that fact that he's playing teams that don't have a ruck because in those final weeks, surely he just gets a rest That's right. in one of those yeah. games. It, they, they don't need him for one of them. Yeah, they're, they're going to rest him. And it's, it's what we've seen in the past, isn't it? Like um, the, the fact that he's back is great and definitely something to consider. I would certainly be considering someone um, like a Lysette ahead of him for that reason. The fact that he's in 0.4% of teams is a little bit enticing because um, if he does you know, perform well over this period of time, he's got a ridiculous ceiling. So uh, just thought of one I'd, uh, I'd bring up before we finished. Nope, that's fair enough, Chizo. And uh, I think we've, we've had a, a couple of people ask us, how do you finish your back line if you're super short on cash? So there's a couple of options um, <laughs> that, that are very cheap. I just wanted to get your very, very quick opinion um, on each of them. And that's sure. uh, right. Hamish Hartlett is 387K. Hamish and J- Hartlett. 
Tartlett. And Jaden Short is 380k, although he's going to drop to about 350k um, after this week. Either of those ones okay to finish your defender lineup if you are completely strapped for cash? Um, I've got a large enough sample size over the last decade that Hamish Hartlett isn't going to score amazingly for the remainder of the year. Like he's he's come back for what a handful of games, three games, two games, three games, and yeah, three games. What's he averaging? Like mid nineties or something like that? Oh, 140. 140. Um, <laughs> uh, so you see his name mentioned because he's probably had, he, I think he had a good game on the weekend. I he would say 130 points last. Well, week. yeah. Well, there you go. He he's always had one of those um, games here and there. I don't see him uh, being a super long-term option, particularly when a lot of these um, players like, um, you know, like a Rocky or a, a Ryder or a Westhoff that come in, they, they are going to um, influence the remainder of the side. I don't think that's scoring that's going to continue for the remainder of the year. Jaden Short, on the other hand, was one that we considered at the start of the year because of the fact that he takes a high percentage of kickouts. Um, so I do... Like I, I like Short a lot, actually. Um, and for that price of under 400K, he, he was definitely one that I, I wouldn't mind um, taking, taking a bite at if you're really strapped for cash to finish off your defensive line because um, they are a little bit short across the, the entire team and he's going to get ample amount of times, ample amount of opportunity to um, use his foot skills out of the, the, the back 50. And I, I don't mind that whatsoever. Yeah, and very, very cheap. You know, 350k after this week is pretty good value. Um, I know a lot of people at Chizo have Brody Smith, and after the game against Geelong, they're in complete panic. But uh, to that, I'd just say... Yeah, they weren't panicking we, already. What? We Yeah, we, we were expecting a poor score against Geelong, right? It, no, it's no his least favourite team to play against. Right, so there's no, no reason to panic. He's, he's got a, <laughs> a brilliant month run. If he continually puts out 60s over the next month, then it's massively panic time. But otherwise, just sit back. Uh, hopefully, we get to enjoy the next couple of weeks before uh, upgrading to Lockie Whitfield. That's exactly right. Who is rumoured to be back this week as well. So watch this space. Watch this space. All right, mate. That uh, pretty much wraps up everything that we need to do on this podcast. It's been fantastic having you on. Why don't you take us through where people can find us during the week? You can find us on Twitter. You can find Chizo with a Z underscore DRSC for some Chizo style advice. Uh, you can find myself at pistol underscore DRSC. And you can find JB. Um, actually, I don't know if you can find him. He is at JB underscore DRSC, but he's not returning any of our calls or messages because he, he's saying he doesn't talk to losers. I think it's all gone <laughs> to his head, his ranking at the moment. He's just... Sitting above the world, so uh, it wouldn't be surprising if we told you that he's already on a victory lap. He's he's already <laughs> rented an open top car and is installing a deck chair at the back that he can just wave at the crowd as he drives past. <laughs> he's on he's on a huge run at the moment. Yeah. So uh, good luck to him. But definitely try and can someone knock him out uh, first focus. week? Who's got him in the cup? So, whoever's got him in the cup, just knock him. Just cut him down to size, please. We're begging you. Um, I can I can find it out. Uh, Chizo, if you give me a second. Control F. Um, I... Blake, look, Tom Boyd's worth it. You, Blake, I, I you're worth it. You'll you will be Blake. absolutely worth the beer call you get if you knock JB out. Trust me. A hundred percent. 
Let's go, Blake. That's uh, yeah. Team Blake. If you, if, if you yeah, supporting this podcast, please uh, tell us how much you enjoyed it and hashtag uh, Team Blake. Just, uh, <laughs> let us know you got to the end of the podcast. There's probably so, it's a really common hashtag, Pitzel. There's going to be like some some other random cause <laughs> that's got all these like super coach related <laughs> hashtags. It'll be like, who are these people? <laughs> no, nope, just hashtag Team Blake. That's all. That's all that matters. Um, Yep, continue. Yeah, community, thank you for checking in with us. That um, pretty much wraps up the podcast. Pistol, been fantastic having you on. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. And we'll see you later on the week for the Lockout Podcast.